Whatever you believe becomes your reality. This is Shana Weldon. Thank you for tuning in. It is time to elevate your life. I give guidance for you to pursue your passions and live your best life. And it's go time. Shujan Bertrand is the founder of Apla, a culinary design company that uses zero waste product practices. She was an industrial designer in Silicon Valley for 30 years before creating her own company. And she thought about how to make a better world, not just another product for an update. From pre-production to post-production, she focuses on the waste, or the lack thereof, as she uses every inch of the original fabric to eliminate negative space. She has the combination of courage and craziness that it takes her twice as long than an average design production company, but she is so mission-driven, and that is how she stays powerful. See, most of us are hit with an extreme sense of inspiration, where we stay up all night thinking about this new idea or product that we want to bring to the world. But to most, this feeling of inspiration is fleeting. And the next week, we are back in our pattern of routine, and we're finding excuses and reasons on how our new idea is actually not feasible. But in this episode, we dive into Shujan's head and learn how to keep inspiration long-lasting and infinite. So let's get started. I read a lot about you, and the story that comes up a lot is how this plastic cellophane-wrapped bouquet of flowers from a local San Francisco neighborhood store was your quote, like spark of inspiration. At that moment, you had the insight to create the first sustainable and reusable garden tote for flowers. Now, most people get hit with inspiration in their life, and it lasts for maybe a few hours or a few days. But yours seems to be infinite. How, how is it so long lasting for you? Well, the story, um, and it literally is one of those moments where, um, when I see the image of the apple falling from the tree and, um, hitting the head or the, the idea of a, a light, a light bulb going off, you really take that in as just a moment of magic where, there's total alignment with you and the universe (laughs) and greater things. And uh, it's that split second that does still resonate today. And I am very passionate about it and will continue. I think it's just unexplainable uh, moments like that. And my moment was literally on the way to a gallery opening of a dear friend and I wanted to gift her a bouquet of wildflowers. And my image was the feeling um, of me just running out into the field, grabbing wildflowers um, and uh, gifting it in a bundle. But of course I live in a San Francisco, so there is no wild field of flowers. So I, I drove um, to the nearest local market, which is called Buy Right. And uh, they have uh, an array of nice flowers from local farmers. And I picked an arrangement that I thought was close to the image that I had of just a wild bouquet. And when I went to pick it up, uh, at the at the register, they had wrapped it in, in paper and cellophane. And I thought, you just killed 
the bouquet. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I don't see it anymore. It's just wrapped. And the image was immediately as, as I, before I even left, I had unwrapped it and I had it raw. And I thought, I want the, the moment of gifting flowers to be the feeling that I had imagined um, on the way to the store, which was this, this, like I had just ran through the field and picked up wild flowers. I, I felt like there was this moment of gifting and honoring um, one, my friend, but also honoring nature because I had taken from it. And I thought, and before I got to the car, I thought, okay, I'm gonna be the first sustainable reusable bouquet bag uh, and wrap. And I jumped into the car and I told my husband, I'm gonna retire on bouquet bags. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and literally the whole night, so she had, my friend had received this bouquet, large bouquet of flowers without paper, cellophane, and she ended up holding it the whole night. So you see her walking around in a room full of like 200 people. And you see this massive bouquet on her shoulder, like next to her on her left arm <laughs> with a glass of wine. And she never let it go because I'm thinking it was not, it was comfortable that it wasn't paper or cellophane. Perhaps if it was wrapped, she would have put it away and put it down, but she held on to it for a good hour and a half. And uh, the whole night I was just following her around come from a distance thinking and prototyping in my head. So that night I got home and I literally didn't go to sleep. I prototyped, I did patent research, just wanted to make sure there was nothing out there that I was you know, infringing on and there was nothing. So I stayed up late and then in the morning I shared it with the family again. And I, and it was so strong in the, in the stomach, in the gut and in the heart, you know, the second brain is your stomach. So it was just resonating. And uh, that's the moment of the bouquet hitting me over the head. That is very powerful. I know you mentioned also like this idea of a, of a divine essence or power. Do you think it was a message for you to start something? It probably drew in a lot of life experiences uh, and that being um, being an industrial designer and developing products for brands. And then also it taps back into my life in France with my husband where trimming flowers and herbs from the garden was actually very routine and daily. And then going further back to my childhood and upbringing, um, my parents were entrepreneurs. They were immigrated from Korea, really just was distilled in what I believed in, what my upbringing was. And uh, an applaud kind of came to be from the moment of the bouquet. So the, uh, in the morning when I shared the idea with my family, my mother and father-in-law from France, they were so excited because to them, it's like, of course, of course there should be more of a coalesce of food, wine, bread, and everything from the garden. And um, so the, the collection is really inspiration from our life in France. And uh, so it is truly from the lineage of both my past uh, and my upbringing and my husband's as well and our life together and our children who are now half Korean and half French and very much live both 
of those cultures and lives. Yeah, I do see how you brought it together. I think also though, again, with the inspiration, how did you carry it on from that, from that day, from that night? How'd you keep the inspiration? Yes. So when something kind of hits you that hard and it's like a force that isn't, is, it keeps you up at night. So it kept me up every night for, I'd say a solid year and it's a grind, but it's because as you mentioned, there's so many ideas, there's so many things to work on and it keeps me up because I'm excited, not because I'm like, it's a healthy kind of stress. So hustling with a corporate job, full-time job and parenting, definitely it was a miracle that I got the product to the market in six months while I was working my corporate job because my background is in product development and I had years of experience in soft goods development for Nike and uh, a bunch of other soft goods company I was developing um, product for after six months of the concept couldn't sleep because I had to keep up with manufacturing because they were selling faster than I could make it. And by the end of Christmas, that first year, I had to quit my corporate job and take my last paycheck and commit hundred percent to applaud. And that was just based on one product and one sale for three months that I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. <laughs> wow. So it's so totally self-funded. The last time I funded myself was the day that last paycheck. And of course, all the money <laughs> that, you know, everything that's generated goes back in. And they, you know, if you know, the guy Ross from how I built this. Yes. Takes about 10 to 15 years to actually be profitable as a business. If you listen to all of them, there's no fast ticket. You might hear about the brand and you're like, well, they just like popped up out of nowhere and became this big thing like in the last two years. Well, if you hear their origin story, they had been in business for 10 years plus before they even had their big hit. So I'm patiently waiting for that moment where I hit the 10-year mark and we've gotten to another level of just commitment and security and um, reaching enough people where this really does matter. What we're doing does matter. And working with the factories locally, just five minutes from my house, cross street from my studio, working with three factories in the city for the seven solid years um, and keeping them sustainable too um, and making our manufacturing zero waste as possible is, is a lot of work. And it's different from traditional manufacturing in the garment industry because there's about 40% waste and mine is zero. And so it's not automatic. It really is through a lot of designing and engineering and working closely with the factory to communicate with them why it has to be done a certain way to yield the zero. Um, yeah, what's also, what's also very inspiring to me is that when I think of our manufacturing industry, I think of, I think of post-production of material and how when I see a material that's recyclable, I feel really good. And I feel that it's net zero. When in reality, we're in a manufacturing society that does not put value on pre-production and what goes on before the material is 
created or brought to life and put on the shelves. And so I see you as breaking into an industry that does not focus on pre-production, but because you are driven to eliminate, I guess, like zero off-cut fabric remnants to focus on, or you use origami-inspired designs. How do you have the courage to break into an industry that does not necessarily, I don't want to say it doesn't value, but it's not currently focusing on pre-production? Yes. You know, it started with the bouquet bag and a, a commitment to nature and, and honoring um, the things that we um, gift and eat and drink. But I feel like the most important mission that I have is to um, share my process and impact one, give awareness to both businesses and customers, but also uh, share and guide other brands that could possibly join my efforts. And it, it, it's time consuming to uh, think a little bit more ahead of time before you make the product, really go through the engineering and design in the waste versus creating a beautiful product and thinking, oh my gosh, I have this waste now, what do I do with it? It cannot mm -hmm. be considered after. It has, the waste has to be considered um, with the design so you are aware of the impact that product is gonna be making. So if you don't mind asking me the question again, I-, I Yeah, yeah, it. no, I was totally fine. Yeah, how did you have the courage to, to pursue your mission that focuses on pre and post-production in a world that is mostly focused on post-production. I just, I see it as so big. I mean, I really see it as true courage as, and you're breaking into an industry that does not talk about pre-production and you are bringing it to life. You're talking about it. You have a solution, origami inspired designs, like actual zero net waste. How do you have the courage to even get into this? <laughs> yes, um, courage and a little craziness. So <laughs> the yeah. dual combo. <laughs> yes, it, it is because you really have to care. It's kind of ridiculous how much um, when I see any bit of waste, I start to stress out about about that tiny part. Not because it because of this idea that I've promised as a brand, it's just kind of inherently like a little bit of a panic attack. Like I am responsible for that. Yeah. And um, it is, and I can see it at the CAD level. So CAD is the, is the word for um, computer generated files. You know, I do everything in 2D specs. So when I am work, working with my marker maker and I said I need to yield zero and so she so always giggles because she's like your products are nothing but squares it yet it is <laughs> the most hardest marker pattern to to work with because I'm looking at the number at the bottom which says 40% waste or 50% waste and I can see other garment patterns you know that other files and they have a number at the bottom it says how much waste is not being or how much material is negative not being used and so 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 it's a courage in the sense that um and a craziness that it takes me twice as long than in a, maybe an average production 
Um, and so it's, it's this circular, I feel like I'm going in circles and um, no one's pushing each other, or encouraging each other to make that shift. And I feel like, I feel like I have that responsibility. I can't mm. just be the only person. I feel so guilty in the sense that there's all this beautiful waste, this fabric that is still usable, hasn't been touched. It can be made into other beautiful things or, or I could help other brands to say, hey, look at your, let's look at your numbers. Let's look at that waste and let's create mm. some sort of shared knowledge or pool and upcycle it and also take off some of the pressure from the factory so they're not burdening, um, they're not being burdened by the cost of the brand's waste. Oh. I'm making sense. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I see that like originally you had this, sorry, you had this extreme care and then also what you call craziness, which I see crazy as crazy until it's not, honestly. And I think, I think people have to be crazy, especially in a world that wants you to try to fit into the culture or the norm. And you have to have some sense of craziness and strong will to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a little, I mean, I'm, I'm not one to have OCD, but I think that if from a design perspective, there's this level of um, working backwards, for example, um, I've calculated the design and this is the golden ratio aspects and the, and the, and the origami that come together, because if I know my product is 15 by 15 and I folded it into the center twice, it gets into an eight by eight inch uh, folded fabric piece. And I know that um, shipping envelopes are nine by et cetera. And then I know boxes 16 by 16 would yield four. And so I do all the math so, so that there isn't any waste in the packaging envelope that goes to USPS or the box. And um, there's everything is kind of fitted within this golden ratio of math. Yeah, I can see how some people see it as OCD, but I see it as you care so much that you become really focused on the minute details. And so I also want to move towards your inspiration and actually creating something. So my mom talks about how when she had me, she then suddenly, I mean, bought Seventh Generation, which I know you read his book and got very inspired. And she then immediately went into cleaning products that were friendly and non-toxic. And a lot of moms can relate to you because they go through the very similar shift when they have kids, but you made like you actually stepped into action and created something because many people don't do this. Right. But you did like, what is it? Is it like you care so much and you realize that I will like die to stand up for whatever products that are zero. Like I will commit my life. I don't care who tells me no, that I'm crazy. Is it like an intense amount of care? Like what, like what you have something. I what is it to do with personality in that I love research. So I love finding the alternative path or okay. a better solution because it's the, also the addiction to problem solving as an industrial designer. We're just inherently yes. trained that way, but also, as an engineer too. Yeah. Yes. So my, my father was an engineer, mechanical and electrical. And my mother was a pharmacist. So 
I, I feel like there's a part of me knows that there's a natural way or there's always a better way. And so this, this constant obsession, my kids are always like, cause I'll be like, I have this great idea. And they're like, no, 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 you can't start another business. Cause I have three <laughs> other I'm like, this problem is still not resolved and it's so annoying. And so. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But that key word, like annoying, right? Like that's, it's getting to you. Like it's getting to your core being. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and, and, uh, and because I understand that my children's health comes first, that getting to uh, um, a non-toxic life is for them. It's not okay. for them first. And then of course, it's also helpful to the planet, right? Cause we are living on it. So it's part of us. Okay. Yeah. So like something also greater than yourself. I see like impacting other your kids' lives, other impacting other people's lives and impacting like the actual world. Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. I see that as a big driving force. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, I'm yeah. sorry. I know I asked this like, like three times, but it's because I see it as you have something special that other people have not unlocked yet in themselves. And so I like, that's why I was asking because like, how did you, how'd you do it? Like you, you have the key and yeah. That, that's why I was so in, into getting the question. I, I appreciate you sticking with me and, and, and answering multiple <laughs> times. Circles. Yeah, you. but I, 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 I landed on two visuals, which I thought was a happy shift. It's very small, but I found a, I think it's, I found a company that does uh, laundry soap on in sheets and ships it to you in a paper box. So my laundry soap is looks like a eight, like a half of an eight and a half by eleven, uh -huh. and, and I love it because it's it's like putting a sheet of paper into your um, laundry. Um, I shred it into tiny cubes until I can't shred it anymore, and I throw it in. But I I feel so happy. It's like this tiny little thing where I'm not pushing the button with the goop coming out and the cup and all this plastic jugs. Oh. And I literally am so happy that it's removed like this empty, this filled shelf to this, this tiny little cardboard box with uh, 50 sheets. And it's just great. It's like a two, if they had invented this 16 years ago, I would have had my daughter do laundry more because <laughs> you, you just it's like the simplest no brainer invention. Yeah. And so I love discovering this alternative way yeah I, I see how this is in your everyday life and I see I see the obsession but in a really positive way I see that you're committed and you use the word committed um, and I see yeah like you're everything in your being is backed by this mission that you have also I'm sure you've had backlash too have you had a lot of backlash and if so how did you how'd you get around that I have not received backlash no, I, I think I'm in a safe place where we're only trying to do good. Yeah, like the whole idea of shaming. I always, when I'm in these conversations, um, I always lead with like, you know, I'm trying to be a good citizen every day and I'm not 100%, but my effort is 100%. It doesn't mean I'm resulting in 100%. So mm -hmm. it's really about being curious and committed 
So there's a lot of seeds in there. I am so curious <laughs> about what alternative ways we can discover. And if there isn't one, I'm committed to create it. Wow. So that is where um, I have a lot of ideas in my back pocket where it's like, because this folds under the Apla brand and my kids or my business partners like, absolutely not. And I'm like, but there's nothing like it right now on the planet. We have to do it. <laughs> so it's like, they're always around improving, helping, helping people. Yeah, you're so, you're humble and you're honest in your approach in your company of what you're doing that there's, there's, there's no need to defend what's going on. There's no need to, for, for any backlash because of how honest, yeah, that you are. And um, I think that the quote that you said about uh, curious as to what solutions are out there. And if they're not, I'm going to, you say create it. Create it yeah. uh, that's definitely going to be on the top of the podcast. Okay. Uh, I, I see that already in my mind. Thank you for being so honest too in the answers. And I know that they're very thought provoking. And it's because I've realized that it's in the stories, the experiences and the thoughts that really inspire others and really get to people's hearts. Like not specifically what you did, but your story behind it. Yeah. Your experience behind it, what you went through behind it. And uh, that's what really resonates with people and creates change. And that's why I ask very, I guess I like just like thought provoking questions. So thank you for being so open to answer them. Sure. Yeah. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, Shujan. And thank you everybody for tuning in. It means so much to me. And this was an incredible episode. I hope you've taken a lot away because I sure have.